The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. All right, good morning and welcome to another edition, a very special edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. This is our 100th show dating back uh, two years now. Here on WFN, and something that we're very proud of and appreciate uh, the support since we started the show a couple of years ago. As always, uh, sitting with me uh, for the half hour from Epic Risk Management, my pal and fellow compulsive gambler in recovery, Dan Trelauer. Danny, good morning. How are you? Wow, Craig. Good morning. I'm doing well. 100 shows. That's crazy. Yeah, right? Uh, I remember I, the first ooh. show like it was a long time ago, actually. Yeah, I think it was about two years ago. Yeah. There you go. Anyhow, I'm happy to have from northern New Jersey on the line right now, Joe, who's a fellow gambler in recovery. Joe, good morning. How are you doing today? I'm good, good. Thanks Thanks for having me on and allowing me to share my story. I appreciate that. Yeah, so when was your last wager, Joe? Uh, June of 2015. All right, so seven years uh, in, and I imagine while life still has... You know, it's obstacles, as it does for everybody. Uh, you're in a really good place, and things are really good for you. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you say that because about six weeks ago, I lost my father uh, to stage four pancreatic cancer. Mm, sorry to but hear that. The, sorry thank that. you. Thank yeah. you. And, you know, it's still, it's still still fresh. But that said, I I attribute the program, and I give all props to the to the program itself to keep me in place uh, to not to not going out from going back out and gambling. Uh, that that allows me to deal because you said life on life's terms basically right craig and it's still yeah happen. you know there's financial pressures there's personal issues you know uh, things happen with your child have a special needs child so all these things still are out there uh, but but the program has let me allowed me to live life on life's terms and taught me how to deal with situations instead of running from them and escaping yeah so i guess i, I would say two things uh, if i if i may on that one I think it's great that your dad got to see you get healthy before he passed away, and that that's that's instrumental, right? Oh my God, that is so big for me. You know, thank God my mom's still alive. They live with us. My my mom still lives with me, and my wife and I. And, and you know, thankfully they got to see their son in recovery. And that's, yeah. I can't even tell you how important that is for me. Yeah, no, that's a significant thing, and I got chills thinking about it. That you know yeah. that your dad got to see that. And number two, you know, it's. Yeah, the thing I, I try to express to people is that while we're all celebrating recovery and we're in a really good place, you know, uh, you know, life still happens. And the good thing for you, and I knock on what if I've ever, you know, uh, faced with, you know, uh, situations like you're, you've been dealing with uh, for a while now, that I also wouldn't go turn to my comfort zone of gambling to escape. So the fact that, you know, you got through that tough period with your dad – and you didn't turn to gambling as a as a safety net for you, which you might have done, you know, eight years ago. I think says a lot about the work you've put into recovery. So, congratulations on that I as well. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. So, let's you hear know, your story. How old were you when you first started wagering? Well, I mean, I guess I was, you know, 13, 14, 12. I don't even remember. But it was small wages. I remember, like, betting one time. I think it was like a Mike Tyson fight with somebody at work. You know, it was crazy. Yeah. Stuff, right? And, yeah, but it was, it was minor, harmless. And, and then when I got about 17, 18, and I remember, if, you know, I'm 49. So, Craig, you remember, remember this. I remember the clubs. And we were going to the clubs with the girls and yeah. all that stuff. And, right. But then I, I kind of 
started going to Atlantic City instead of the clubs. My friends started to see me kind of move away from that. And I got a fake ID. I was going down to Atlantic City. I was playing poker. So right around like 17 or so, really, 16, 17 is when it started to get a little heavy. And I met you know, bookmakers and so on. And what was interesting was I came from an, an incredibly loving, non-addictive family. So based on my background, you'd never think there was going to be any issue, right? And my, nobody drank, nobody drugged, nobody gambled. My parents were emotionally available. You know, it just gave me everything I wanted. But what happened was, I, and I never smoked cigarettes, I never took drugs, and I never drank alcohol. I still to this day, I got drunk once, never liked it, and left it alone. But gambling really appealed to me. The high, the rush, the excitement. I was always a thrill seeker. And, and just somehow, it got more and more out of control. It started as fun, started out as fun. It's turned to something totally disastrous. And, you know, and it's just, I couldn't even tell you. We, did, we need a 27-hour podcast to tell you all the stuff. <laughs> so were you, you know, we, I, we've talked to a lot of people over the last two years. And I, I think, uh, Dan, please stop me if I'm wrong on this. I, I can kind of compartmentalize a lot of the guests we've had on the show where either you're a guy or gal that has a very specific game, you know, blackjack, slots, whatever it might be, or you're the type of guy or gal that just bets on everything. And I, what was your story? I would love poker. Poker was my thing. I, I'm a math guy. I was very good. I mean, I felt like I was good at it, which, and I, sports too. Sports was a thing. I grew up a sports fan, so sports was easy, uh, but loved sports and poker was my real love. To be truthful, I just love being at a poker table. Love the solitude. And I'm going to stop you there. You know, it's funny you say that. But, you know, mine, yeah. mine was more blackjack because the speed of poker didn't uh, fit. You know, my the way oh, my brain tough. works. That's tough. You're yeah. right about that, Craig. Yeah. I learned how to play poker properly. It was it was grueling and it was it was excruciatingly painful. Actually, I like holding all these hands and sure. but you know, but when you're in a hand and you're in the middle of it and you're bluffing and you're check raising and you're all it's, yeah. it's it's hard to explain the and excitement of it. One of the things, hmm. and Dan, I'll bring you in on this, please. It, you know, one of the reasons I think I was attracted to blackjack, I mean, poker could have been the same. I, obviously, I've played a lot of poker as well, mm-hmm. was that I truly believe, poker more than blackjack, by the way, is that having a mathematical brain, you can, if you are disciplined, you know, have more success playing those particular games than you can, yeah. you know, flipping a coin on a football game or, you know, sitting at the craps table where, you know, the outcome is dependent on something that is totally arbitrary as opposed to, you yep. know, when you play cards, everything right. that happens before now dictates what might happen next. And there is a mathematical aspect to that, right, Danny? There is. And that's interesting. It, it requires a lot of discipline. You know, I've, I've come across a lot of professional poker players where they're able to keep it under wraps for years and years and are very disciplined, very calculating. But at some point, for some reason, a number of them, the switch went off, whether it was they stopped being patient, they started taking risks uh, that they normally would not have taken previously. And it started to spiral, and then they started getting involved in other types of uh, gambling, like blackjack, like sports betting, because there's this process that goes into those types of games, right? It's, it's, the, it's the handicapping, the research uh, in terms of sports betting. It's the patient play. It's reading the table. It's trying to figure out all the little advantages that you can find either at a poker table or if you're handicapping sports. And you start to fall in love with that process of just trying to be smarter, better, uh, would exert your ego over someone else, whatever it might be. There's just something about those types of games compared to, say, scratch-off lottery or slot machines. So, Joe, let me ask yeah. what, you, know, when you, and I know I'm fast-forwarding part, a lot of your, your story, you're getting towards, you know, closer to the end of your gambling. 
-hmm. When you are really knee-deep in it, give people an idea of how all-consuming gambling was for you. Oh, God. It's, 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 it's depressing even thinking about it. But just to give you an understanding, like everything I did was about how I'm going to continue to gamble. Right. And I got involved with the wrong kind of people. I had friends in all, you know, in the wrong places. I guess you know what I'm saying when I say this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me explain this just for people to understand that, uh, and I'll do it the best I can. There are people that used to be in my life and Joe's life and Dan's life who, to be fair, never did a damn thing wrong to us or, you know, for or anything. But they're bad people who get involved in bad things that don't end well. And there are well, people, I'm Joe, you'd say the same thing where if I picked up the phone right now, and these are people I've not talked to in over four years, and I said, hey, I'll make up a name, hey, Billy, I'm back, uh, pick me up, they'd be at my house in 20 minutes ready to go. Right, and worse than that was I befriended many of these people, yes. and we were very close, and we would run scams together, and I ran scams that could have landed me in prison for 20 years. I, We did things that, you know, were, were highly illegal, robbing people, uh, you know, stiffing people. It was it was really bad. And because I had this, and what made it worse was I had essentially a license to steal with these people backing me. So I could run scams knowing that they had their protection behind me, and this went on for a long period of time. So... It, it, it made it worse because it enabled me to essentially gamble, and then if I if I lost, I didn't have to pay, and it right. gave me free money basically. So it was it really made it worse, and I mean it just got to the point where my wife was just unsure of what was going to happen, and she started to protect herself, and that was good for her, smart. And then you know, and then I went in, I came in for the millionth time, and just to go backtrack a little bit to give you a backstory, my father, when I was 16 years old, brought me into GA. He grew up in the streets of Brooklyn in the slums. He understood. He, you know, he was born in Brooklyn. He, he totally understood, you know, the Irish lottery, everything else. Right. He said that you have a gambling problem. And because of that moment, even though I didn't identify at that time, I knew there was a place to go. So for 25 years, I was in and out of GA. Got but it. I always knew where to go. And I always credit my father for that. And I just, you know. You know, that's, it, you know that's so funny to me. And funny is not the right word. It's interesting to me because, you know, I, I have a similar background. Your family, you know, the streets of Brooklyn, legitimately the streets of Brooklyn. I knew better. I knew all the warning signs. I knew exactly, you know, what people or people you don't want to hang out with or have over to the house or introduce to, you know, your family. And and yet you and I both, and Dan, you too, you know, yep. decided, um, I guess it was out of our control at some level, but went down that road anyway. And uh, I'm always fascinated by that. I can't for the life of me. As, I've, as I, I think I've come to terms with the majority of the mistakes I made, the decisions I made, and how gambling really controlled me. But that's one of the ones I have yet to reconcile in my own brain, knowing that these people, you know, not that they meant me harm, but were not people I should be associating with. And some of the things I got involved with and the people I was involved with, you know, just weren't good people. And I knew it, and I did it, and I got involved with them anyway. Yeah, I yeah, think of novelty. I, mean, I think of that that concept of it. it's different, it's exciting. We we tend to think that we're different. I mean, all three of us on this uh, um, on the show today, you know, there's something a little bit different about us, and we we kind of feed into that narrative. I think when we're in action, and we think it, it's it's going to be different for us. It's exciting for us. It's new, uh, and we're risk takers. So we're gonna we're comfortable taking relationship risks. We're comfortable with the with the unknown. That's part of our personality traits that lends itself to developing gambling problems. Yeah. So it's. It's almost par for the course. Joe, before we take the first break, um, how how out of control was your ego at the height of your gambling? 
Oh, I couldn't even tell you because when I, whenever I would, I was one of these loud kind of guys. I'm like a very friendly, gregarious kind of guy. And right. I would be at a, in a poker room and I'd have a baseball game or a football game. And it scored a touchdown. I'd jump up and be like, God, <laughs> that's right. I knew you were going to score a touchdown. You got it up beating my chest. Yeah. High five and everybody in the room. It was insane. It was yeah, totally yeah. insane. You ride <laughs> so high when you have a victory. And especially if you have like a team that's like minus two and they won by 29 and you're like, oh, see, I knew that. I knew that was going to happen. You know, it's, it's just the ego's totally out of control. You know everything. You're, you're, the, you're the best, you know, sports handicapper ever. It, it becomes, it's just, it's, 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 Nauseous. I'm yep. nauseous thinking about it. All right, let me take a quick break. We'll get to how it all kind of blew up. And then uh, the good part of the story, which is recovery, right after this on Hello, My Name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. We have Joe from uh, northern New Jersey and Dan Trelaro, Epic Risk Management. All right, Joe, so, you know, we've kind of walked in similar shoes here what was the kind of final straw, bottom of the barrel moment where after a lifetime of, you know, going in and out of GA meetings that you finally got to a place where enough was enough? Well, I re- I'll remember it as clear as day, right? I, I, we were at my aunt's house. She lives in Somerset County, and we lived in Bergen at the time. And I remember thinking, like, I was so sick at that time, and I'd lost, like, some crazy 17 parlay because the team gave up eight runs in the top of the ninth inning. It was just totally insane. And I remember just feeling so nauseous, but it wasn't, it wasn't the usual type of sickness. It was, it was like a feeling of despair of of just being defeated. And I said, and I remember seeing a friend of mine who you actually interviewed on the show. I went to see him and I said, and he was still in active addiction at the time. And I said, you know, I just don't feel like living right now. I remember driving home on 78 thinking, why don't one of those buses that are going to Sam's blow a tire and flip over Mm. and, you know, crush my wife and my son and I, and my son was only, you know, a few years old at that time. And I said, something's got to change. And I went to his house and I talked, saw him that night on a Sunday night. And he said, "Uh, why don't I check into the hospital? I said, I'm going to go home and talk to my wife. Let's do it tomorrow morning. And then I went in for uh, eight, nine days, something like that. And they released me, and I went right to a GE meeting, and it was just it started. So you went you it. went to an inpatient rehab center. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It was more of a mental institution. It Got it. Really yeah, and you did you did that because right? So you had thoughts of of uh, committing suicide or wishing uh, that you were going to die. Hundred percent. And outside of the dream of I hope that bus kind of flips over, did you ever uh, attempt to act on it? If you don't mind me asking. No, I did not. I mean, I'm grateful to say that. I yeah, did not. I just. But I saw the warning signs, like you said earlier. Yeah. And I and I just knew something had to be done. And I went to my friend, and he said, "Why don't I drive you to the hospital, man?" He goes, "I don't think you should be walking the streets like that." And I said, "Sure." And yeah, that, that was that, it. I I got to imagine that was the toughest night of your life because then you you do have to sit down with your wife, and while you know I, I've said a million times, it'd be so easy to just rip the bandit off and tell him everything. None of us ever do right away. And oh, my wife a, knew everything. My she wife did. Okay. Everything. She see how out of control I was. It was she. I didn't care. I was reckless. I didn't. I wasn't someone who was a closet gambler. I pretty much roamed the streets with impunity. I didn't care. Got I it. And yeah, by yeah. the way, our loved ones know more than you think they do. Now listen, they, they don't. Do. Know, they don't. They don't. <laughs> it's interesting to me because someone said to me, "You know, do you ever tell them everything?" And I go, "The reality is that because gambling is such a big part of your life, there's a lot of things you do. At least I'll speak for myself that you forget." Until yes. you're sitting yes. at a stop sign on a particular corner, and then you yes. see a light, and you go, oh "My God, I was in that place. I was, you know what I mean?" Or hey, yep. I was, or you bump into someone, and oh my God, I gambled with that guy. Um, yeah. There's stuff you truly don't remember, 
Um, but they know a lot more than you might think they know. Yeah, and, and it's funny you said that because that's when the work began, Craig. And, Dan, you know, this is the thing. When I got into GA, my wife was still very angry because she didn't have a place to go. I did. And I'm getting all this out of my meetings, and she's still resentful, which I totally understand. I created sure. that resentment. Sure. And, and now things are coming up how she felt, how I didn't even know certain things, right, how she – things I did, I didn't remember them, like you said. And the work began, and it took a lot of time. It wasn't overnight. It's still – even today. There are still scars and wounds that sure. run deep that may never go away. Yeah, and that's real. Uh, you know, I, and I, we all still deal with it because there are still yeah. levels where, you know, they love you. <clears throat> and there, there's something will pop up for them that we don't even know is like a trigger that makes them, you know, question you. Or you'll go back to a dark place in their lives that we were totally oblivious to because, you know, it was all about us, you know, when we were gambling. Um, I wonder... When you did have that moment and your friend took you to the uh, to the uh, therapy or the mental health center and then you started going to GA regularly, how long did it take you, assuming you are there now, and I want to say that respectfully because you know, I want you to answer the question, where you didn't actively miss gambling on a daily basis and you were oh, for, okay for not day, gambling? The day I went into the institution, I was uh, – I at that point was – I was done with gambling. I didn't Got even it. care. If somebody came to me and said, here's my money, risk free, I, just, I wouldn't do it. I didn't want to do it anymore. It was no longer any fun. I just said this. I'm, I'm done with it. I literally said to myself, I am done with it. I have nothing. I have no desire to go back. And thankfully to today, you know, I don't have these fantasies in my head about gambling. It's still a struggle and sense of escapism, escapism because this is the thing I tell everybody is that I can escape in other ways. Right. I can eat myself to death if I wanted to. I can, you know, I can uh, have an affair. I can, you know, <laughs> sell drugs or whatever it might be or drink. And I don't do any of those, but I can find another avenue to escape. And I found that well, I've been eating a little bit more since my father's death. Sure. And I've been just kind of isolating. And so I have to break that cycle. But the point is, is that I didn't feel that need to gamble any longer. It, it just, I was beaten down by it. And Thankfully, I still feel that today. I mean, I'm grateful, you know, one day at a time that I, I don't have that urge. But it's still a struggle in life because you don't want to substitute your addiction for something else. Sure. You know, I got, I got angry this morning. Someone told me a story. There's a story out there today that a, uh, a Long Island school teacher claims that he uh, bet 90 grand on the Morocco World Cup game and won a million dollars, and I'm I called BS on it, right? Yeah, Teachers yeah. making sixty five grand claims they uh, bet ninety, didn't watch the game, knows nothing about Morocco, turned <laughs> turned down a quarter million buyout from you know swap a thing, whatever it's called, uh, and I'm like, guys, you know this is the problem that you know you're trying to glamorize something that I don't think really happened in the manner it's been reported, and other people right. are going to go out there now and say, oh, that guy did it. I can do it. So it's interesting that we're taping this show today because I just had this huge moment this morning where I'm like, guys, I'm calling BS on it, and please know you're not going to win a million dollars betting on the World Cup that you know nothing about, you know, on some crazy kind of parlay or underdog bet. But before I let you go, you know, we try to end the show on a positive note. You know, you're in a really good place now. And I, I've always said on this show that if I can go more than four years now without gambling – Anybody can do it, and I, I feel that way. That being said, I want to recognize it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a lot of hard work and diligence, and there are painful nights and nights where you're crying and nights where you're upset and mad, all the emotions. 
you're on the gamut. But the reality is that if you're willing to do it, if you want to be a better dad, if you want to be a, a good husband, if you want to be a good friend, you know, you put the work in and the time in to fix yourself to get to a place where gambling isn't a part of your life. And I just wonder what you would say to those young guys out there that are now just coming to terms with the reality that, yeah, they have a problem, but they don't think they can ever get to a place that you, Dan, and I are at. Like, what do you say to those young guys that are starting this process now? I just always tell people when they come in and people that I've sponsored and so forth that there is a better way of life, and I'm proof of that. And the entire room's proof of that if you decide to come to GA. And the reality is that you are not you you are not the you, the I should say this, the gamble you you didn't gamble because you wanted to gamble you gambled because you had to gamble that's what I tell everybody and you had no choice but now you're here you have a choice and if you work on yourself and you peel back the onion and you really find out what is underneath there why you decided to gamble and you you address those inadequacies or whatever they might be your anger issues avo- maybe it's avoidance maybe maybe it's immaturity but if you address these and you talk about them you will get better. And if you need any any kind of proof, just come to GA and see people, man. They're, they've turned their lives around. And the stories are all the same. Different roads, but we all end up at the same place. And I promise you, there is a better way of life. Yeah, I think that's a great message. Like, there's great commonality amongst all of us. The amount of money is different. The game is different. But the processing of it is dead on the same for all of Absolutely. us. Um, yeah, and it's funny. It's, I mean, I'm listening to you say that. And I'm hearkening back to a lot of the GA rooms I've been in. And I will say this. If you've never been to a room, I want to keep it real with everyone. That first room ain't easy. And you might even walk out of it. And that's okay, too. You do have to find a room that you're comfortable in, that you feel like, you know, the other people there, maybe it's age appropriate, maybe it's personality, that it's okay to shop until you get to a place that you just feel good in, and that's okay. And if you walk in a room and walk out of it, which I've done many, many times, that's okay as long as you find another room to try. So just know that you don't have to go to one, and, you know, that's the end all. You can go to one, not like it, and find another one that you do like. Yeah, and, and, you know, the other thing I would say is to people is what – was a real turning point for me was when I started turning my will over and trusting the process. Right. And, and as I was getting better, I started to have a little more gratitude of the things I do have in life, as opposed to the things I don't have in life that I thought about. I had my, well, my parents were alive. I said, my, I have a beautiful son. I have a beautiful wife who loves me and cares for me. I'm healthy. I thought about all these things and I said, wow, I'm complaining in the beginning. I was complaining about things I didn't have. But now sure. I'm saying, wait a minute, I have all these beautiful things and I'm just missing them. I'm not really focusing on them. So be grateful for that. And it does get better. It just takes time and don't run away from the challenge. That's the real That's the real message there. Just don't run away from it. Well, Joe, I'm glad you share your story, not just on the radio, but you're privately as well. Proud of you that you made it uh, You know, seven plus years. Appreciate you coming on you. and thank hope you. that you have a great Christmas and uh, a new year and yeah, hope to be able to shake service. your hand one day in the future. Thank you for the service you guys do, because putting this out there, you might reach someone. And that's why I offer, I offered to do this, because I might reach someone yep. out there who's struggling and has a similar story and says, man, that's my story. I'm going to do what he And does. I will tell you this. One of the best things for young people to, uh, to, to talk to people like me, I think, like Danny for sure, and like Joe, is that none of us are going to blow smoke up your ass. Like, we yeah. know we know who you are. We know what Keep you do. Real. We've all done it. <laughs> 
And one of the great things is that when you talk to somebody that you know you can't BS, there's a lot of power in that. And, uh, you know, we all do it every day. But uh, know that, you know, the people like us are here to help because we've walked a mile in your shoes and we totally get it. Well, I appreciate that. That's why I can share these things with fellow people in recovery, you know, fellow exactly. addicts. It's uh, it's the only way to do it. If I told people these stories in the normal real world, they'd be like, what are you, what are you saying? Exactly. <laughs> All right, pal. Well, listen, be good. Have Merry Christmas to you, and thank you for coming on. Appreciate it very much. Thanks, guys. Take care, man. Be well. All right. Take care. Thanks, Joe. All right. We only have about another minute or so left here, Dan. Uh, congratulations to you, and I want to say thank you because we never could have done this show uh, from day one without you, your support. Your guidance back when you worked at 800 Gambler, now that you're a big uh, star with Epic Risk Management. <laughs> and I know you take great pride in what we do here every week. And uh, the one thing I will say, which is a little self-serving, I'll acknowledge, is that over the course of the two years and the 100 shows now that Dan and I have done, we have been blessed. And I really consider it a blessing, for real, yeah. that we have been uh, able to be in contact with and touch with dozens and dozens of young men and women who acknowledge that they have a gambling problem and have come to us because of this show to yeah. help direct them to get the help that they need. And that wouldn't happen without your support, Dan, and without you being a big part of this show. So thank you for that. And uh, I feel very fortunate that we're able to pay it forward and help people out so they don't go down the road as deep as you and I went down it. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I appreciate you. Um, I mean, we were having this conversation more than you know, about two years ago, a little bit more than that, and just using the platform that you're blessed to have and uh, just both of our lived experience to be able to try to help people, shed light, and reduce stigma. You know, Craig, you and I early on both said, like, we agree on a lot of things, and it's about reducing stigma, reducing shame, and it's okay to not be okay. And we have to talk about it. And we've had, like you said, dozens of people reaching out that are hurting. And we're able to give them that support and just be a voice, be an outlet so that they know they're not alone. It's, it's a really a blessing to do this with you, man. So if you're listening, if you are someone that's struggling, if you know someone that's struggling, you can always reach out to me directly, craig.carton at odyssey.com. You can find Dan through Epic Risk Management, and we will always return your email, your calls, and get you uh, towards the, uh, you know, the place that can absolutely help you on a professional level so that you don't go down the bad road. Enjoy your Christmas, pal. Uh, and I look forward to continuing the show uh, well into 2023. And uh, all my best to you and your family. Yeah, same to you, man. Merry Christmas to you and the family. and look forward to uh, doing it again starting next year. All right. Joe and Evan are coming up next. And then Evan and I are back on the radio Monday at 2, of course, with all the giant and jet talk as we get ready for a playoff run well into December and early January. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to Hello, My Name is Craig.